0: Hello and welcome to Foot Candle
1: Films here on the Mesh TV. I am a little bit sleepy, Alan. <laughs> we are recording at night, late at night after a film screening, so. Bear with me if I don't talk for a few moments, Chris, just kind of prod me with the stick you've got uh, across the desk there. So,
2: And I'm headachy, Chris, <laughs> because the theater that we just came from apparently decided to skimp a little bit and had the air conditioning like turned pretty much off, I oh, think. it's
1: late July in, in North oh, Carolina. Man. You don't need air conditioning. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Who needs that? So, but I'm here. Uh, well, we're here. I'm ready to talk. We are next. here, ready to talk. That's right. Maybe a little more unscripted than normal. <laughs> little rougher around the edges, possibly. We're going to try to keep it a nice, polished, clean, easy-to-follow show best we can. But we do have a few good things to talk about tonight. We want to get together and at least record this episode. Uh, we will be talking about the latest Marvel Studios uh, film that has been unrele- uh, un- un- relinquished out into the multiplex, however we want to call it, uh, Ant-Man, starring Paul Rudd. We're also going to do something a little different. We're going to talk about some short films some short films from the last year or two that we actually showed tonight, like within a couple hours ago, uh showed to an audience as a international short film night. That uh, we just want to rattle off, and we'll give some quick impressions on, because these are all films you can find online, and watch. Uh, some of them through YouTube, some of them you need to buy through iTunes, but they are available, and they're ones. Uh, some of them one, are ones we'll recommend. You think we think you ought to check out. Then of course we'll move on to our movie news, and we'll wrap up the show as always with our recommendation of a film we think you ought to check out. So with that, Chris, are you ready to just jump right into this? Let's do it. All right. We're going to go ahead and talk about the latest Marvel Studios superhero film based on a comic book, Peyton Reed's Ant-Man.
0: Imagine a soldier the size of an insect, the ultimate secret weapon.
2: If you give godlike powers to everyone, it's going to be
0: chaos. So
1: how do we stop him? By the guy. So Chris, here we are with the latest Marvel Studios entry. I don't even know how many films this is now in the Marvel Studios pantheon. But we have the latest one called Ant-Man. Now, as you know, I have a little cap I keep next to me when we're doing these reviews, the little ball cap. Yes. It's my geek hat. <laughs> and when I put on my geek hat, I tend to say extremely geeky things. Okay. I'm putting on the hat for a moment. Okay. Ant-Man is technically Hank Pym in the Marvel Comics universe. Hank Pym was one of the original Avengers, believe it or not. He has been around since the very beginning, back in the 60s. In today's world, in Marvel Comics, he's still batting around. He's not an old man like Michael Douglas portrays him in the film. Okay, Hank Pym is still pretty much a pretty vibrant part of the Marvel Universe. This Scott Lane character that in the movie we're introduced to who becomes the new Ant-Man is a person who becomes Ant-Man much later on in in the series, all oh, the comic book series. I think probably in the 80s, maybe okay. 90s, he starts to become Ant-Man. So there is some tie-in with the real comics here. This is, you know, staying pretty true to what's going on in, in in the printed word. Okay. But we do have Michael Douglas playing Hank Pym, but playing him much older to where they've basically set it up where Hank Pym is, was a super agent spy back in Moby like the 70s and 80s. You know, it's a little bit of that time shifting there that they're moving around with some ages. All told, trying to bring a character like Ant-Man into a film where probably all the characters in the Marvel Universe, this guy's got one of the most convoluted histories, to decide to make a movie based on his character, which is not a very well-known character, not a very beloved character, Right. nobody buys an Ant-Man costume for Halloween. Nobody talks about Ant-Man, you know, around general circles and even, even real big comic book aficionados. He's just not a very popular character. But here we go. We've got a movie. And the movie's doing pretty good box office. Not great, but pretty good considering.
2: For a movie that no one, a lot of people didn't know who this character was to begin
1: with. That's right. Sure. Now, Paul Rudd is an actor I know you like. I do. I like him as well. Except when he's in This Is 40. And you don't like him as much. <laughs> um, I liked him. I just, just didn't like movie. the movie. Gotcha. Peyton Reed is a director that has North Carolina connections. You yes. actually have some connections to Mr. Reed. His mom taught me seventh and eighth grade English. There you go. So there you go. So you guys are practically best friends.
2: I mean, right. He's, <laughs> he called me to make the premiere, but I couldn't quite get out there. So,
1: so I Interesting. It. Probably this movie's got a little bit more even interesting backstory about the making of the film than even the film itself. And that True. this was a film that Edgar Wright was tapped to write and direct. He did write the original screenplay for it. He and Marvel had a falling out of some sort of uh, uh, directorial creativity, difference of opinions, whatever.
2: I bet I can guess what it is.
1: Is that going to be part of the review in a minute? Or Absolutely. Okay, good. We'll come back to that then. Okay. So he left the project and then Peyton Reed came in. They also brought in um, Paul Rudd to help write. He helped tune up the screenplay. And then uh, who is the, uh, the funny guy who works with Will Farrow? Adam McKay also came in and did some writing. So, you know, the thing is this could have been a mess. My question to you is, was it a mess both on tone, both on style? Could you tell this is a movie that maybe went through some turmoil behind the scenes, or do you feel like it actually came out on the other end, a pretty good polished experience? And in general, how did you feel about it?
2: Is it a mess? It is a little bit of a mess. I think, Mm -hmm. um, but that didn't mean that I wasn't able to enjoy the film. Okay. So um, I think if you go into a comic book movie with your critical hat on, you know, which may be a geek hat or may not be a geek hat, but if you go in with just a critical eye, you're probably going to be annoyed at some stuff. But if you go in and you're a comic book geek and you just love everything comic book, I don't know. I think – see, I – and the complete opposite of you. I didn't really know anything about Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have my geek hat on. I went in looking forward to the movie just because it was Peyton Reed, right? And I knew a little bit about him and I was like, "Okay, let's let's see what he has to offer." But I think I feel like I could tell the screenplay was a bit of a mess. Mm. And I don't think that's I think it's a mess because it did have so many writers and Peyton Reed came on board, and they were like, "Save us!" And he came in. He made a he made an okay movie, mm-hmm. but I think if it hadn't had all the different writers and everything, I think it would have been better. And honestly, I feel like Edgar Wright. You know, he's the guy who's done like Shaun of the Dead and mm-hmm. those type movies, which are much more adult. Yeah, um, uh, world. A,
1: the world's End.
2: the world's End, which I like a lot. Yeah, hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Um but they have a lot of language in them. oh they're very
1: they're very mature, mature audience films.
2: And with this movie, I felt like it could have very easily been a PG movie directed by Peyton Reed, and it would have been a different type of movie, a, a superhero movie, unlike any other that's been in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And instead, what happened was they left in some language, which I think totally came from Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was probably a lot more in there. I think actually, I wouldn't be surprised if he was actually pushing for an R, hmm. with some of the stuff that he's done because Hot Fuzz is R, World's End is R. You know, that that's kind of his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. It would have still been fun. They, I think, we had known we talked about this movie way, way back, mm-hmm. and we said that they were actually kind of making it a comedy, and Paul yeah. Rudd's name was attached, and Edgar Wright, and you and I were both kind of excited about it, and then basically, like you said, they had a falling out, right? and I think it's because, there again, who knows, you know, Peyton Reed doesn't call me on the phone and discuss these things, but I think Disney and Marvel are like, um, no, this is going to be PG-13. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, possibly. I've got a little bit of a counterpoint to that theory.
2: Well, and I think this movie already... If you see it, there's not a lot of blood. There's action, but not the kind of action that's in all the – I think a lot of the Marvel movies, Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain America, you know, you name it. A lot of mm-hmm. the other Marvel movies are PG-13 because there's a lot of action yeah. and a lot of people being shot. You don't see blood, but you, know, you see a lot of comic book action. Mm-hmm. This one I felt like was interesting because there was a lot more story and the action actually comes kind of at the end. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. It's kind of an unusual way. Like, you mm-hmm. you know, basically you see Ant-Man being Ant-Man, but you don't have a big battle with him until kind of the end of the movie. True. Um, which was interesting. But um, I think to push it to be PG-13, they had the language in there. And I, I don't know. I think it would have been a, a bigger challenge to say, let's make a comedy. Let's have it be this Marvel movie of Ant-Man and go ahead and keep it PG. Mm. It would have lost a lot I mean, of money. It would have lost a lot of money. Because a lot of teenagers think, oh, PG, PG is baby, yeah, and they right. wouldn't have gone to go see it. So I, I, I don't know. So to answer your question, I thought it did work. It was entertaining, but I was frustrated because I felt like the problems that we talked about mm. on the show held it from held it back from mm. being a really good movie.
1: So I I think I think the reason my guess is, and of course I do not know Mr. Yes. Wright <laughs> personally. I haven't had any conversations. Sure. My guess is going to be that he left the project because of the reason that the one thing I didn't like about this film. Okay. I think Marvel has a formula that they won't copied and reproduced in every film they do. Well, because they know it works. mm -hmm. And I think this film, as much as I really enjoyed so many elements of this movie, and I thought so many parts worked really well, I really liked Paul Rudd in the role. I did not think he would work for this role. I really thought that was going to be a mismatch and it was going to be one of those things where people are going to single him out as just not gelling with the film. And they were going no. to blame him yeah. for this movie I totally think working. he worked. I think all the performances worked, actually. I thought the concept, I thought everything. My big issue was is that once again, we have a Marvel movie that follows the exact same Yeah, layout, layout
2: you're saying that, you know, there are a bit layout just
1: briefly for the listeners, yeah, like so what you feel like the
2: Marvel formula is. So I kind of agree. You have
1: somebody who is uh, down and out uh, maybe at a lower point in life. I mean, you had it with Gardens of the Galaxy, with the, the Peter Quill character. You have it at the beginning of uh, Captain America. You know, you've got all these origin stories, and it's like, okay, somebody's going to rise up and they're going to become a hero about a third of the way through the film. <laughs> okay. And they're going to go through their training, they're going to go through their montage of how great they're going to become, they're going to do heroic things. Then there's going to be some big fall collapse where something goes wrong, something hurts, uh, something hampers their development. And all along, there's one person who's kind of their antagonist who at the end becomes the big villain type of thing. That happened in the Iron Man film. This is actually almost a carbon copy of the Iron Man movie, the original one. You have the same deal. You've got two inventors. One's jealous of the other one for stealing the idea. And, of course, the other inventor takes on his own suit or whatever and becomes the bad guy in mm-hmm. the last part of the movie. It's the same story. Okay. I feel like them forcing this story, which could have been a lot more interesting and creative, Forcing it in the, into the Marvel model, even having to have a fight with a certain Avenger in the middle of the movie, which I did like. I thought that scene was really cool, but I could tell that that was probably something Edgar Wright's like. No, I want this to be kind of its own thing. It's own And little Marvel's world. like no no no. It we're has to be tie referential. It into these other films. Yeah, and we're going to have the end credit scenes, and we're going to have all the things that make it part of our universe of films. I, I'm guessing that's probably the bigger beef between them, because I think Edgar Wright wanted to make. I saw flourishes of the film where I think he could have really had fun with it. Mm-hmm. All the miniaturization stuff. I think he could have some really cool, fun moments with him shrunk down in everyday household items. You know, and done fun. Maybe it could have been Edgar Wright could have made a PG, PG-13 movie. Just having a really good sense of humor about the whole thing.
2: I, but no, again, don't get me wrong. I would have liked to see
1: his version of this. Yeah, yeah But, you know. Yeah. But I do think it was forcing it into the Marvel model, right. which maybe when Marvel started, they said, well, Ant-Man, we're not going to worry about that one too much. Go let Edgar Wright have fun with it. Then as they got further along, they're like, well, actually, mm-hmm. no, we kind of want to tie it back into everything. So here's some notes. So that's the impression I got. All right. But in general, I did really like the movie. I just hate that it's predictable. Yeah. I knew where it was going. It it's, was the same plot beats that we get with every one of the other of these movies. I will at least say that normally the big fight end scene, ending fight scene with a lot of CGI and everything and all these uh, superhero Marvel movies normally just burn me out. Mm-hmm. I normally hate the last action scene. Sure. I did really like the end action scene because it all took place in a girl's bedroom. Yeah. That's just kind of funny. <laughs> so, That's you know, kind of they cool. at least had an interesting environment to put together this final battle. And it didn't go on forever. I mean, it was a good fight scene, but it didn't turn into this whole, you know, 20 minutes of the film is just watching these uh, CGI characters fly around the screen. So it had a great humor. I think the cast was really good. Um, And I liked the moments where it got to be a little fun and creative and quirky. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just didn't like it when I knew it had to hit these beats as it went along.
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's, I think you and I are on the same page with this. My, my beef was, yeah, the, the screenplay, which I felt like it was predictability, but I guess... Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would have liked to
1: see... I think you're echoing the same thing. It's yes. just we would have liked to see it a little more... Take it off the rails a little bit. Right. And have fun with it and not try to force it down this one path. Right, you know? so I think...
2: Yeah, yeah. And I I I blame, I don't blame I don't blame either director because I no. can see
1: why Edgar Wright left. I can see why Peyton Reed was like, yeah, I'll do it. But then... I mean, you take a movie that might have already been 30% done. True. You say, hey, here's a script. Uh, here we got some About guys working it? on it. We got all the actors lined up. It's a Marvel movie. It's going to be fun. Yeah, if you're Peyton Reed, you're like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do I mean, it. what have I got to lose? I'll make <laughs> it a good movie. Right. And it was. It was a good movie. And I thought it was well-directed. It was fine. There was nothing wrong with the direction at all. Paul Rudd, I thought, was really, really good. He, he was not super funny, Paul Rudd. You know, Paul Rudd has been in a lot of dramatic movies as well. He's not always played the funny guy. Right. Um, so he did a good balance. He had some good dramatic moments, which I think worked. He got to have the one-liners, which also worked as well. He played really well off of Michael Douglas, a lot better than I thought he would. Yeah. Uh, Michael Douglas playing, of course, the older Dr. Hank Pym. Evangeline Lilly playing Yeah, how would you think Kate did? <laughs> uh, Kate from Lost, yes. Um, she was fine. I don't think she was anything special, but I thought she was serviceable. Yeah.
2: I, I was... I, yeah, I thought she was fine. I must say, going forward for Marvel... The reveal that they have for Mm -hmm. her, and having Paul Rudd in future Marvel
1: movies—I don't. know That that it's odd. That's that's going to be strange. It's going to be very strange. I agree. It was actually strange in the movie, which I still like. This scene a lot when they are landing at where they think they're going to be landing at a certain warehouse facility, and oh look, it's the new Avengers compound. At that moment, I was really conflicted emotions. I'm like. Mm -hmm oh, I really don't like them being so tied in with the rest of the films right now. But once he landed and there was a really kind of fun, interesting fight sequence, I'm like, okay, that was actually kind of cool. As somebody who always liked in the comic book, when you had a guest star, another superhero, and they have a fight, and then they turn out to be okay at the end, it was that same kind of idea, so it was kind of fun. It was like opening up a comic book and seeing a scene you've always wanted to see played out.
2: How do you feel about, I want to give the MVP... To Michael Peña.
1: How did you feel about oh, him? Oh, yeah, no, he was really good. Okay. Um, he plays like a, a friend. Yeah, plays his play, a friend, Lewis. Um, part of a little, a three group, a group of three friends of Paul Rudd's character. Mm-hmm. And they've done some uh, heist jobs before together. And no, yeah, Michael Pena was really funny, and uh, and I would have liked, and this. it wasn't overused too. I mean, he was used just enough to where he didn't become like oh annoying, annoying over the top.
2: Right, and I guess I wanted a little more, but maybe if I would have had a little more, I would have thought it was overdone. So yeah. I guess I got just enough, but I really liked. It was fun, his character. He
1: and, and I will say that was a character that I would not have anticipated being in a Marvel movie, but we've got him in there now, and there's a good chance he'll be in like other Marvel movies now. How weird <laughs> is that? But um, that was one of those touches where that may have been in that original screenplay where, yes, Ant-Man, Scott Lang has these friends and these friends are these types of characters and they're really kind of funny in their dialogue with one another. That had a little bit more of an Edgar Wright touch to it than, than, than other parts did.
2: Even though you and I are on the same page with this movie, I'm going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate. Okay. I feel like this movie, you could say stepped away from Marvel framework and the mold because of the family dynamic of Paul Rudd being a father who doesn't get to see his daughter Mm -hmm. and that whole relationship with his daughter. And then I guess, you know, we talked about him with Danny Collins, but Bobby Cannavale, who plays the stepfather Mm -hmm. and I actually thought it was a fairly unique portrayal. And was a good. generous portray- portrayal of a stepfather. It's yes. you know, a difficult situation. You know, the mother's remarried, and Paul Rudd wants to see his little girl. And, like, I actually felt like that was handled oh, it was fairly very well. well. And very well. not a typical kind of thread. Usually, you know, it's like either the original dad's a bad person or the yeah. stepfather's bad. But I, I like equate the that dynamic
1: of the film to the same way I felt about Guardians of the Galaxy, the opening scene in that film, if you remember, which yeah. was the young boy kind of with his mother as his mother's passing away. It was a very human family moment, very well done. I felt out of place, but in a good way from hmm. the rest of the movie. Okay. I kind of felt that way with the family dynamic here. I felt it was really good. And you're right. They played it without any uh, over-the-top stereotypes. It was very real. Right. And to weave that into a fantastical superhero film was a pretty good <laughs> move. So I'll, I'll give you that. That sure. was different. I think the character of Lewis was a very different kind of character to have in a movie like this. And again, those are all the moments I really liked about the film. Sure. It's just the moment they had to say, okay, we let you get off the track for a little bit. Now let's put yeah. the cart back on the track and got to go <laughs> to the next, next scene. I could kind of feel that corporate decision-making pushing it down that path. You sure. Know? Yeah.
2: I can see that. Yeah.
1: Overall, though, I will say it's a good movie. It was fun. My kids enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. Um Corey Stoll, who played who played, he does play the most stereotypical character in the film is the bad guy. But he was fine. He was a good bad guy, I thought. Yeah. I like him a lot in other stuff I've seen. He was in House of Cards. House of Cards, right. And he's on that show The Strain on uh cable TV right now too. Okay. Um so I think I think he was good. So overall, I enjoyed the film. I just I wish it could have been a little more daring. I, I enjoyed it too, and you
2: know, I'm glad I don't feel like, you know, we've talked about how we're having a lot of more superhero movies. Where, you know, was this going to be the one that was just going to ruin it for everybody and then nobody was going to... I'm glad to say it didn't. Now, no. is one of the ones coming up going to do that? Possibly. But, you know, at some point, I feel people are going to say, enough, we don't care about comic book movies anymore. But thankfully, it wasn't this one. I, I, I'm i like you. I, I say it was okay.
1: Okay, good. <laughs> we will take it. A okay movie. Uh, I will say better than average. Uh, out of a... F- What's Letterbox? Is that five star or four? They star? They go up to five. Five star. I'll give this three and a half. I'll stick with the three. Okay, that's good. Three, three and a half. That generally means you know if it's on and you've got nothing else to do, it's something to watch for a while. But I do say I think this is actually I think this is a good one to watch in the big screen because some of the scenes that were shot from the perspective of Ant Man when he's small are really well done. I actually think there's one scene in a bathtub where the perspective is really cool. So maybe that's a Peyton Reed thing. I don't know. But just the the feeling you get as you're watching through his eyes, I thought was really well shot and done. And I think it does play probably better on a big screen. So, Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about next some short films. This will be a okay. little different for us, Chris. We normally don't do this. Uh, short films, of course, short films are made all the time. We only hear about the big 90 minute plus ones that go to the multiplex, but there's a lot of independent or even some kind of bigger budget short films being made all the time. Unfortunately in our movie going community, we normally don't hear about them until it comes to be like Oscar time. Right. You know? um, to where we talk about uh, Oscars, you know, which ones got short film nominated, which one's animated shorts. Then all of a sudden I select five or so get a lot of heightened attention. And that's, Unfortunate, because these films are a lot of fun most of the times to watch or to check out. Sure. So tonight, we were fortunate enough to actually help host a very short uh, international short film night where we showed nine short films from all across the uh, the world. And what I figure we do, Chris, I know we don't have a lot of time to go through all nine and just really pour them apart and talk about them in depth. So what we'll do is I'm just going to hit all nine okay. and list them out. And it just you give me kind of your quick thought. I'll give you a quick thought onto it, like, dislike. How do we feel about it? And then we'll just move on to the next one. So we'll keep it kind of quick so we can get through all nine of these. First one we have is called Do I Have to Take Care of Everything? It's actually from uh, Finland, I believe. And it's a relatively short seven-minute live-action film. We basically have a family who uh, wakes up and realizes that they believe they are late for a wedding they have to attend. And the chaos that ensues over the next seven minutes to get ready for said wedding. Chris, how do you feel about this one? It's the first one we kicked off with tonight at the festival.
2: I I liked it. Um, A lot of it has to do with I feel like the mom and dad are are really good together on screen. I will say it was funny. Had it been, but I think there was a little bit of, obviously, there is a little bit of a language barrier. If it had been in English, Mm -hmm. I think I would have, like, really liked it. And a a lot of it is, too, like... I think there may be jokes that I didn't quite get as much no, because be. I didn't understand it. You know, yeah. I liked it, but I think it would, I would have liked it even more if I'd have, it was a cute so premise. It. it
1: was, yeah. I enjoyed it. It was a good fun light movie. Uh, it was, I figured it was a good way for us to start the evening tonight. So, well, I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time with that one as well. Um, Luminaries, which uh, from Spain, which is one we've been showing for quite a while at our kids festival that we put it put together every year. It's one of, uh, I'll go and say, it's one of my favorite short films ever. I think it's genius. I think it's just the, the method of putting it together with using stop motion It's stop motion animation, but it's with real people in live action. Right. So it's just a very, I mean, even to the point where you've got the guy moving down the street in a stop motion style and the, sunlight and shadow is moving alongside it so you know everything was just really properly timed on how to build this thing
2: it, if you like the work of Michel gondry yes then you would like this and that's who i kept thinking of the whole time we were watching it i, I like this one a lot too yeah. it's a cute story but it's also really inventively
1: shot. Oh, well, it's fun to watch and yeah. again it's only about seven or eight minutes so it's you know it's to pack that much creativity in a short time i thought was really really great uh we showed a film called parvena which a uh, you know it's technically from uh, it was shot I think in uh, Switzerland, but it does deal with a young woman from uh, Afghanistan
2: correct and that's yes, what she was that's from. right
1: and a girl named Parvana who is trying to wire money back to her homeland she's living here in um, the country again. What did i say
2: well did she go? Yeah, we just saw this tonight. So I know. Have to and I'm this. still a little
1: groggy. From she this,
2: goes it? to the bank in Switzerland, but is she actually in another country? No, no, she no goes she's in Switzerland. Switzerland. Okay, she, she
1: goes into the city, okay, in Switzerland. So she's out in the, con- like to in the country to wire money back to Afghanistan for gotcha. her family, and along the way, she encounters a, a young girl that uh, kind of helps aid her in her her needs on that. Uh, How did you feel about the film? It was a long. It was the longest one we showed tonight. It was about oh, 20, really? About 24 minutes. See, that's um,
2: interesting. Yeah. that is not what I've guessed. See, I was trying to jot notes down so I didn't see like the you know the times and mm-hmm. stuff. I would have actually guessed this was not the longest one we mm-hmm. showed. And we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Sure. <laughs> um, but I, I liked it and um, one of the things that I specifically liked about it was that, you know, basically independent film you feel like is going to go has certain themes and when you watch it when you watch a movie or watch a short that has the description that you've talked about girl, fish out of water in this country. She's in, having, city, she's so, in a
1: big city. She's in a
2: big city. She's having hardships. And you know going in because of the way the style is and everything, you know it's not a comedy. Right. <laughs> like the first film, we, you knew it was a comedy. You could tell. Pretty much they were within going the first 20 last, seconds. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So this one you know is not that. And you're like, okay, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and thankfully, it, it kind of surprises you a little bit. Yeah. And I, I, I liked it because of that.
1: Good, so yeah. He's, no, he's, I did too. It was one that I did not think I would enjoy as much, but actually tonight, watching it for the second time through, knowing where it was going to end up, I, I really did appreciate it and thought it was really good.
2: Of um, of the nine, this was my second favorite.
1: Second favorite. Okay, yeah. good. I, I don't have it quite that high, but um I did like it. It was a nice surprise for me because it was one I did not think I would enjoy as much. Um a single life, which is a very, very short from the Netherlands animated film, really three minutes long, shortest one we showed tonight, uh, about a a young woman who gets a mysterious record delivered to her. When she plays said record, uh, she's able to kind of skip through time Mm -hmm. of her own life. Chris, how'd you feel about this? This one uh, kind of has a nice abrupt, uh, a little bit unpredictable ending. Um, Oh, I don't know about that. Well, Um, maybe not expected for the type of film it was. That's me. Because it was animated. Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I kind of felt like I knew where it was going. Yeah. Um, but really clever idea and very cleverly animated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was just okay because I kind of felt like from the moment it started, I kind of knew, had an idea yeah. where it was headed. So, but it was good. It was okay.
1: good. Cool. I, I, I like it. Um, it's not my, one of my favorites of the night, but it is a fun little, quick little movie. And it was a good. It was a good one to put in between some of the the longer live action films we were showing to kind of break it up a little bit too. Then we have the Vorman problem, which was from the United Kingdom. It actually stars Martin Freeman, who you may know as uh, uh, Mister Watson on the the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch version of Sherlock Holmes. He was in the World's End, which kind of ties back to uh, he was back to uh, Edgar Wright as well. What else is he end? What a people Hitchhiker's know? Hitchhiker's
2: Guide to the Galaxy. Oh he yeah, in, I forgot that. he was in that. Yeah. And
1: he was also. Um Bilbo Baggins and The Hobbit. Oh, well, yeah, The Hobbit movies, of course. How can yeah. I forget that? So the Vorman problem is he plays a psychiatrist who gets assigned to come work in a prison to deal with one particular patient. The patient is uh, believing and trying to tell everybody that he is a god and has everybody in the prison believing that that may be the case. Uh, Chris, I got to I take it you had not seen this film before. so I had not. And your thoughts I, on it?
2: Um, it's my favorite.
1: Your favorite? It yeah. is my favorite. I kind of predicted that would be the case <laughs> with you. So, yeah.
2: Um, yeah I liked it and a lot of it has to do with I feel like it's the perfect well actually I feel like it's a perfect example of a short film where you have a premise and if you tried to follow it out throughout a whole hour and a half two hour movie it wouldn't really work Yep. or it would just get boring and redundant Mm -hmm. but the premise that you presented that you talked about I feel like it was perfectly fit to this how long was it 14 Uh, 13 minutes 13 minute 13 minute film I will say that a final the final thing that happens mm-hmm. I feel like is maybe a little bit too grandiose. Mm-hmm. And if it had been dialed down just a little bit without getting to specifics, because I don't right. want to ruin it for anybody. Sure. But um there's some surprises that happen in the film mm-hmm. and Martin Freeman's character reacts to it. And I feel like the final thing is just so grand that it I don't know, it was just a little bit too much. But that being said, I really like the film and the performances in this film where I th- Martin Freeman was really good and then the guy you'll have to help me with his name I think name. his name is
1: Tom Holland if okay. I remember correctly
2: and he was in the Pirates of the Caribbean mm. movies but
1: he, he plays the,
2: he plays Mr. Vorman
1: yes and no Mist. it's definitely a good fun movie it is it is my second favorite of the night okay. so yeah Luminaires I'll go ahead and tell you that's my favorite. favorite just because I just admire so much about it Vorman is the exact opposite in that it's not the creativity visually at all It's the dialogue, it's the the, the setting that the film takes place in and the minimal amount of scenes that it takes to come across with a really kind of interesting, fun story. So the writing really kind of got me on this one where Luminaries was all visual for me and creativity. So Mm -hmm. uh, Sweet Cocoon, short little animated film we showed from France. Hated it. Yeah. Wasn't my favorite. I hated it. Yeah. (laughs) Did you, (laughs) I'm just going to throw it out there. Did you hate all the way through? In other words, just there was nothing redeeming about it or did you hate the way it ended?
2: Okay. Here again, short films. This was not a Disney produced short film. Right. It's an independent type film. So you kind of have an idea like, okay, with that mindset from the very opening thing, I felt like, yeah, this thing's doomed. And I felt like they were just playing you like a violin the entire time. and, you know, flirting with him being in danger. And sure enough, ta-da! And so I was just like, really? So I I really found not much to be entertained by. No. So I was kind of, you know,
1: yeah. it's my least favorite of the night okay. as well. I won't say yeah. I hated it, but I will no. say, I will okay. say it was the least favorite of, of is the it, nine.
2: Is it better than minions? Yes. Oh, okay. because it's shorter.
1: I haven't seen minions. <laughs> but, So um, true. So he with clocks in at a dramatic six minutes, right? So, which yeah.
2: is how long Minions should have been. Oh, right. Um, so no, it, it's okay, but it yeah. was definitely my least favorite.
1: Yeah. Well, it was mine as well. Mine as well. Uh, the phone call. Now this was the one that won best live action in 2015 at the Oscars uh, this has uh, Sally Hawkins and Jim Broadbent playing in a 20 minute film dealing with a crisis support line that Sally Hawkins manages Jim Broadbent calls in and the two engage in a uh, about a 20 minute conversation yeah. so Chris with this film this one won this is one of the two winners we gave for the night that actually did walk away in recent years with a best Oscar for short film uh, did it warranted
2: I, I can see why it won uh, yeah. The performances in this Between Broadbent Which you never actually see him You just sure. hear him uh, He's the guy on the line And then uh, Sally Hawkins Playing the the phone person The mm-hmm. operator um, Their two performances Were really good Sally Hawkins being able to Basically you just stare at her face For the first You know 11 minutes or something mm-hmm. um, She really Held her own And I feel like she get A lot more work Because of this <laughs> mm-hmm. Um But if you'd have asked me which film was the longest, I would have said this film. It definitely felt long. Um, Because of the subject matter, it is really heavy. Very, very heavy. And the the one problem for me, well, two problems. I feel like the middle section, once you know kind of the setup and everything, I felt like it was kind of drawn out a little Mm. bit. I feel like it could have been compressed a little. And then the ending, I feel like maybe they were a little bit of a sellout. Um, yeah, you know, right. I talked
1: about that. I think the ending could have been attacked on to try to give it a little bit more of an upbeat ending, whether it was warranted or not. I, I think it could probably be, have been fine film without it. Um, I I do think I think the film is really good because of the two performances. And it's, that's the thing.
2: I've I've only you know of the nine I've only did my top three. This is my third. Oh, okay. So. All right,
1: good. I uh, if, if if it had been lesser actors playing those two roles, this would have been an overwrought. Over dramatic, just trying to tug at every emotion you c- it can, and it wouldn't have worked. Sure, I think having the the performances made this feel very, very authentic and kept you engaged. I so, agree. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, well, good. Uh, then we had the American short film from Disney, Feast, which was the winner of Best Animated Film in 2014, I believe, and uh, a young puppy out in the streets gets picked up by a new owner. Uh, enjoys the spoils of being fed anything and everything off the table. <laughs> right. And uh, his life gets thrown into upheaval whenever his owner decides to start dating somebody with some different dietary habits. So, Chris, with this, I mean, we've, you've seen this film before, I know, because yes. you've got kids and I do. We've seen this short film before. So this was one of the ones that was not really a surprise to me or you when we sure. see it. But having seen it a few times now and knowing it's a Disney film that's been out there and seen by a lot of people, Did it still hold up for you?
2: Yeah, I I felt like uh, the first time, I think it came out, with uh, Big Hero 6, I think it that might have been the one right. that was yeah. before that one. Um, when I saw it for the first time, uh, my wife, who's a veterinarian, was sitting beside me and kept, like, sighing because she's like, you shouldn't feed your dogs people food. And, like, so <laughs> The whole first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, yeah that's true. And she's like, oh, that's terrible for that dog. He's going to have pancreatitis and all this kind of stuff. Um, so, that being said.
1: <laughs> it does put a little bit of a spin on the enjoyment <laughs> of does, the film. For does. Yeah, it right. does. It does.
2: Um, no, I. I, I liked it. Um, the animation style, too, was interesting because it's not a – I mean, not that it is it is shot realistic or they do a realistic animation style, but still,
1: instead of providing a lot of detail, sometimes things are left to be just shapes. It's, it's more cell-shading yeah. type of animation. It's very flat-looking Yeah, not you very think it's, it's got a little bit of a hand-drawn feel to it, yeah. but yet it also – you know it's still computer animated because it's got a lot sure. more depth and complexity to it. Yeah, it's a very – I love the animation style. I think it was just – it was great. So it's a fun little movie. The storyline
2: the first time didn't really strike me as all that, plus I had somebody telling me how bad it was for dogs. Um, the second time, I could concentrate a little bit more on the animation style and I could really see why, okay, yeah, this thing probably did deserve to win yeah. because it was really, really unique. So I liked it. Plus um, – there is some reference to other Disney films in there, specifically Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. So I thought that... But without being, like, overtly obvious and, like, cloying right. and, you know, annoying. So I, I thought
1: that was, was cute. But it's nowhere as good as Lava, right? Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know how you feel about that. Lava is the short attached to um, Inside Out. Correct. And, uh, yeah, I did not like it. Me neither. Um, so... Really and I, the thing is,
2: it. I I actually kind of get excited when I go see we we discussed uh, inside out on a previous episode but I know that when you go see a Pixar movie a Disney movie they're gonna have a short and I get excited because a lot of times these shorts are nominated for Oscar oh, yeah. I saw lava and I'm like Lord knows I hope this thing doesn't push out some other film that could get it for um
1: best it Ant-Man was a short. real misfire it just did not work for it didn't work for anybody in the audience I was with either nobody seemed uh, impressed by it. Nobody seemed pleased by it. It was a real disappointment. Oh, yeah. So It's a shame. They've only built themselves up over time. I mean, True. they're entitled to have a few missteps, but sure. uh, up until this point, they were having a pretty good, pretty good record of the shorts. Um, and then the last film we showed was a film from Portugal. Uh, one that we have also shown at the international kids festival in the last couple of years called three by three, uh, a little war of uh, basketball skills between a <laughs> uh, night guard, and a janitor working in some sort of gymnasium cave, uh, uh, facility at night. And uh, Chris, again, you've probably seen this numerous times now because have. we have seen it yep. and shown it to a lot of kids over the last few years. Is it still something you enjoy? or oh, are you, yeah. Uh, yeah, or are you kind of worn yeah. out by with it? No, no,
2: no. It, it, it's the perfect length. Um, it's, it's about six s- minutes as well. Yeah, it's six minutes. Um, the two actors, the security guard and then the janitor, they're – they're pretty good. They've got, you know, interesting facial features and they, you know, keep it, their facial expressions and stuff. No, no, it's, it's almost like a silent
1: it. film. Too. I mean, it's a silent, yeah. there's no dialogue. And uh, yeah, so but, it like, really adds a lot more to it. Yeah, I
2: hadn't way. thought about it in that respect. But yeah, it's something you could see like Charlie Chaplin or Buster mm-hmm. Keaton kind of doing this, you know, right. except, you know, nowadays with technology and security cameras. But yeah, it was definitely a cute film.
1: Yeah, it was one we pushed to have in here just because I know the kids really enjoyed it every time we showed it. So it's from Portugal. It's called 3x3. That's 3x3 if you're searching for it online. Um, so, yeah, well, I still I'll enjoy it. I'll try to see
2: one. if we can – I won't promise anything, but look in
1: the show notes, and I'll try to get links to some yeah. of these. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast or on the, web, on the Mesh website, look down below the player and see if we've got some notes for mm-hmm. you. And if so, maybe we'll have the links for you. Um, yeah, so overall, Luminaris is still my favorite, just – for everything that it is uh, the whole package involved with that. The Vorman problem was my second favorite of the nine that we showed feast is just a personal favorite as well yeah. as three by three. Those two are both kind of, they're ones I could just watch several times and not get tired. So
2: of. I'm being Mr. Depressing and Mr. Like art house and then now it's like, Oh,
1: the Disney film. but I like, <laughs> I, I well, honestly, I liked all of them quite sure. a bit. Uh, sweet cocoon was really the only one that just, I, I can't go out and recommend. Sure. Um, but all the rest of them are really tightly compressed from top to bottom. So, um, And it changes every time, too. I, I built the, the sequence and was screening the films last week, and I think my order would have been a little different at mm-hmm. that point. So okay. it was a good, fun night. If anything, hopefully you listening to this will take a chance. To, if, if the links are not in the show notes, go on YouTube, go online. Some of these are available that you can watch. Apple does a great job of selling. I think Amazon has the same package on theirs where you can buy the entire short film collection of nominees from the last several years of Oscar nominees. I think it's like six or $7 each. So it's a great deal for like a couple hours of short films you can watch. They have them both for live action and animated to me, the short film. I was really fearful years ago that it was going to be something that was going to be kind of start to die out because it was all about the big movies at the cinemas. Your movie has to be at least 75 minutes to be a real movie But with the internet, I actually think the whole short film process is starting to come back around. You talked about a short film months ago, The Lights Out, a little short horror film. That's a perfect example of how now with the internet, that's a film that you would never have seen anywhere else. But because we can now go online and see these short films that people are making, that's a film that, I mean, even... When I was home one weekend, my oldest son came in and said, oh, i got to show you this film. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've already seen it. You know, so it's like <laughs> we're sharing. That's this funny. is a film done like in another country, but yet we're all experiencing it. So sure. It's really cool. Yeah. So um, I do say check out some short films. Go go online. Look for some good award-winning short films. There's a lot of great ones out there for to experience. Well,
2: what's exciting to you, we mentioned, I'm going to call out uh, two specifically, but when you talked about the vorman problem and you talked about the phone call what's exciting about that is those are big name actors Mm -hmm. in those and they said yep i'll go ahead and do a short film i'm hoping the reason they did that is because they saw the script they really liked it and these directors i'm assuming probably aren't big name directors that have to go but the fact that they got notoriety they will be able to go on and do bigger and better Mm -hmm. things so like You know, the quality of short film is just that awesome. And like, you know, it's, it's a starting ground. So like you could, you know, look like a nice film snob. If you start looking at a bunch of short films, like, oh yes, I remember their early work, you know? (laughs) So it's, it's cool that like you say, the art form is still there and still being supported. Absolutely,
1: I love the fact that I think it's going through even more of a resurgence the last few years with YouTube, quite honestly. Sure. The fact that my kids will sometimes pull up a film and be like, Hey dad, check this out. And it'd be like a three or four minute short film. Which is really creative or unique, and again, I never would have had the opportunity to see that beforehand. So it's good, really, really good stuff. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Chris and I will rattle off some movie news for you, and we'll cap off the show with our recommendation of a film we think you ought to check out. So stay tuned for Foot Candle Films. We'll be right back.
0: I'm with the band on the Mesh
1: TV, features regional music acts discussing their craft and live performances. Subscribe to I'm With The Band on TheMesh.TV and swim around in the heads of your favorite regional musicians. Hello and welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. I'm Alan. Over there, where my finger is extending to, is Chris. (laughs) Hello. And we just finished the first half talking about Ant-Man, and we also talked about some interesting short films, at least eight short films, maybe nine if you like animated worm uh, cartoons um, <laughs> short films you can check out from different countries that we think are of interest and you might enjoy so chris uh before we move on to news there was one other film you did see recently that i didn't get a chance to catch up with i'm curious about because i do plan to see it sometime soon but okay. i'm very very curious And i'll tell you why i'm curious about this film anytime you name your film train wreck <laughs> <laughs> you are opening yourself up to film reviewers to just have a field day. If your movie, if your movie's not that good. This yes, is true. So I have a simple question for you and you can just tell me your thoughts about this, this film. <laughs> did okay. the name fit or did it dodge that bullet? And film reviewers are not going to be able to like make that pun out of that.
2: Oh, I'm sure they'll still do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah but, um, no, I, I felt the film was, was good. It wasn't a train wreck. Um, okay. this is Amy Schumer. She's, Which I am completely... Uh, she has a show on Comedy Central. She does
1: called Inside Amy Schumer.
2: And I've never seen it. So this was my first Your introduction role. to her.
1: Yes. Well, let me give you a little backstory and just the personal connection I have with Mr. Amy Sh- Mrs. Amy Schumer. She taught you 7th and 8th grade She English. did. Wow, anyway, it was she amazing. looks really good for she her She really holds up well. <laughs> um, she was a contestant in the comedian reality show Last Comic Standing oh, really? a few years ago.
2: Really? Same time as John Reaper? Yes.
1: Really? She... John Reap beat her wow. in last comic standing. She that was the first time anybody had ever heard of her. Huh? Um, she performed pretty well in last comic standing, but she was not one of the best and she mm-hmm. didn't get all the votes, but lo and behold, about a year or so later, she started to do a little bit of more sketch comedy work. And then she does get that show, which I think has been on for two or three seasons now. I okay. Uh, inside Amy Schumer. Um, so with Trainwreck, this is a film that I think she helped write, but she you definitely he, wrote it. Yeah. Okay. But you have it directed by – it's the uh, – Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow, who right. the aforementioned This is 40, that <laughs> we <laughs> talked about. Uh, 40-year-old virgin. That was Judd Apatow, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, knocked up. Knocked up. That's right. Funny people. Funny people. So I Man, think that's, I really am getting tired. of like I, I'm just drawing a blank <laughs> lesson right here.
2: Well, those are the movies everybody really knows sure. by him. And he's
1: produced a lot of others. I Absolutely. think he was like a producer on Talladega Nights and some of the other Will Ferrell comedies. Sure. So he's very involved in comedy. So this star stars uh, Amy Schumer and it's also got uh, Bill Hader yes. as a man that she starts to date, but she has a, from what I understand, kind of a philosophy against having relationships, <laughs> deep relationships. With yes. Men. She
2: is fear of commitment.
1: Okay. Definitely. But overall, how did Amy Schumer do as a lead actress in a, in a big comedy film like this? I
2: thought she did really well. Um, she was definitely funny. You know, you can tell her background is in comedy. Um, I thought she did well, but there are some dramatic beats, as with any Judd Apatow film, even though he didn't write this one. Amy Schumer wrote it. But there are definitely some dramatic beats that she was able to hit and pull off. She um, has to give a eulogy at one point, and it's very effective. Um, mm. One of the better points of the film, as far as the dramatic sequences. Right. Um, there's also there are a lot of cameos in this film. There's if you've like seen the trailer, in a
1: Judd Apatow film. If yeah, you've seen
2: the sure. trailer, you've seen that LeBron James is in it. He mm-hmm. is. Um, there's also Matthew Broderick, Marv Albert, oh, really? Chris Matthew Everett. Broderick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen him in a little while. So exactly.
2: Kind of odd. Um, and I thought maybe that got a little bit on the distracting side, yeah. maybe. But, but I now mean, the We also the movie, had, the playing fun. Amy
1: Schumer's boss in the movie, was Tilda Swinton, right?
2: Yes. Okay. And uh, she was amazing. All right. She was probably one of my one of my more favorite characters. And I don't think I've seen Tilda Swinton playing somebody that's, like, a real... Basically, like, in the movie, she's supposed to be somebody that is very hip and fashionable and is supposed to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. But, like, she's just playing her in a very ugly manner. I don't know. It was a real fun role for her to do. She gets to be very comedic, but it just... And I thought she was almost... I mean, I knew it was her, but she was still kind of unrecognizable. Not wow. as bad as she was in Grand Budapest Hotel, or maybe <laughs> how
1: she was in a Snowpiercer. So
2: right, right. Yeah. So, um, but she she has a great, a great part in this. So I, cool. I recommend it. Um, I think it's one of the funnier comedies I've seen. Okay. Um, Bill Hader continues to surprise me.
1: He's one of my favorites.
2: Um, I recommended two Skeleton shows ago: Twins, Skeleton too. Twins. I think he's stronger in that. Um, I think maybe
1: he has a little less to do here. Sure. Um, but he's still good. So well, Bill Hader, I think, is a huge talent in the comedic world these days. I was a huge fan of his on Saturday Night Live and really like just about anything he's involved with right now. So, good. So, Trainwreck, good. Good recommendation, Chris. I do recommend it. Now, I'm going to pull an interesting segue into our news Okay. from that. I'm glad you set it up. First off. Amy Schumer, the Inside Amy Schumer show. Yes. Uh, my wife has uh, started kind of binge-watching those because that's what uh, my wife does. She finds a show she likes, and she will watch every single episode So she's of it. probably
2: going to be taking you to see Trainwreck soon.
1: Probably so, <laughs> but I will say, here's, here's the one I, I wanted to point out. Okay. Uh, there's an episode of the Amy Schumer show that you need to find online. Okay. Because they did a show where the entire show, the sketch comedy, was a 30-minute, one-long sketch. Okay. And it was a takeoff on 12 angry men. Hmm. The classic film. Yeah. Uh, was it Henry Fonda? Um, I think so. Yeah.
2: I don't know if I've actually seen it. Well, I think I've seen it, okay. but I'm not sure.
1: It, the style, the personalities, the situation is so dead on with that movie. Okay. But it's just a ridiculous premise. They're there to decide whether or not Amy Schumer is hot enough for television or not. So it's a very <laughs> biting, satirical take on what we perceive as mm. beautiful on TV or not. Wow, very smart, very well done. I told my wife after watching, I'm like, wow, they nailed that. Now, like, so
2: you've they, seen the original Twelve Angry uh, Men? Yes. Okay, so do you favorites. have to see the, no, to it? No, you don't. But
1: okay. it does it does help enjoy you appreciate the film more to know how close they were in tone huh. and style. There were some shots of like the fan and opening the window when they walk into the jury See, room. It's just I'm actually you know so good
2: going into Trainwreck. I was kind of down on myself because I didn't have any idea who this person was, and like she's kind of the it person right now right. apparently. But hearing that, I'm glad I didn't know that because I'm glad I hadn't seen her show mm-hmm. because that sounds amazing. And if I'd have walked into this movie expecting that kind yeah, of sure cleverness, I think I'd have been let down.
1: It could be. could so. be. Uh, I will huh, say in this episode, Paul Giamatti's in it. Oh, wow. He's hilarious. Does she normally um, have a
2: lot of Big name guest. I don't know. Host? See,
1: I've never really seen any of the other episodes. Oh, okay. My just wife's watched one. them. I just happened to sit in on that one and be like, oh, I've heard about this because I'd read about it. Okay. Um, Who is the guy that was in Life of Crime that we really like, uh, who doesn't get a lot of acting jobs as much as we thought? He
2: was also in that movie with Helen Hunt that we reviewed yes. on the show. What is his
1: name? Hawks? John Hawks. John Hawks. John Hawks is in the episode. Oh, man. He plays the Peter Fonda or Henry Fonda character. Oh, wow. I really it is, like him. You need to watch it. I think okay. if you're on Hulu, I think all the episodes are on Hulu. Uh, Is it on Netflix? I don't know if it's on Netflix. I couldn't tell you. But anyway, that was really good. So we'll tie into your train wreck. Okay. And now I'm going to extend into the news section with also a connection to your train wreck. So you mentioned LeBron James. Yes. Um, Let me do this one thing and then I'm going to toss it over to you. But I did just too good of a connection here. Okay. So LeBron James, from what I understand, you tell me if I'm right on that. He's a basketball player. He's a basketball player. Yes. Yes. (laughs) He plays for professional for money basketball. Right. And he's pretty good from what I hear. Now he was in train wreck, as you mentioned, Yeah, he's actually getting a lot of like, kind of acclaim for being a really funny part of that film Yeah, playing a, a funny version of himself yeah. as well. He did. There's a uh, restaurant scene with mm-hmm. him and Bill Hader. That's pretty okay. good. <laughs> I understand. He is a big Downton Abbey fan. Apparently it yes. <laughs> is. So I'm thinking, okay, that's really cool. And I don't expect LeBron James to become a big actor. It's kind of one of those parts that you just play off your personality. Right. Well, shoot. (laughs) So, basically, I turn on my movie news the next morning after having this little thought about LeBron James in this movie. And I see that it looks like chances are pretty high they're going to make a Space Jam 2.
2: Wow.
1: With Mr. LeBron James. Huh. So Bugs Bunny, the whole Warner Brothers cartoon cast, coming back together to make another movie about playing basketball in space against aliens or something. Michael Jordan was in the original back in the 90s. I don't remember exactly what year in the 90s, but it was somewhere in that decade. Did I, you see it? I saw parts of it. I only watched it because I knew Bill Murray was in it, and I thought that was <laughs> kind of funny. But overall, it's not a movie. I mean, I, there was nothing about it, the parts I saw that made me want to watch any more of it. Is that where the song, I Believe I Can Fly, oh, comes yes. from? Oh, yeah. yes, yes. Actually, that probably, the movie is probably more well-known for the songs it generated than okay. anything. Seal's version of Fly Like an Eagle, uh, I Believe I Can Fly. Yeah, that's all in there. <laughs> um, so I've anyway. never
2: seen it, and now that I have... My son would, you know, be like, "Come on, Dad, you know who LeBron? I do know who LeBron James is. Um, yeah. He actually has wanted to see Space Jam because he's heard Michael Jordan's in it, and I'm like, you know, well, I,
1: no, I will say this: if you're a Michael Jordan fan and you're still young, age wise, you probably will enjoy could get something in out it. of it. Yeah, there's okay. probably something there, and
2: you know, he probably is going to be interested in Space Jam too. Are they? So it's a sequel or are they just reinventing know. the wheel or like, doesn't are really, they
1: re, are they rebooting it? <laughs> doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, no. You know, the cartoon characters are kind of timeless. You don't have to worry about having them getting older. True. Um, anyway, I just thought it was one of those things where I'm like reading, Oh, he's so funny in this Judd Apatow movie. And Oh, it's a great little cameo thing. And I'm like, Oh, that's really sweet. LeBron James has got a little part in the movie. Come over to the Variety the next morning. Oh, and he's signing up for Space Jam 2. So nice. Anyway, that's, I just thought I had to throw that in because a little connection with your, your review. What what do you have for us, Chris?
2: All right, Alan. We don't normally do this, but uh, for my little news segment, we're going to play a game.
1: Ooh, I like I'm games. going
2: to announce. I'm going to give you a pairing. Okay. A couple of different pairings of movies that are coming out in 2016. Okay. Okay. And you can only see one of the two. Ooh, the death match. You have to choose. Ooh, this
1: film death match for 2016. I love it. Yes. Okay.
2: Okay, First up, we have a DC comic death match. Mm -hmm. You can only see one. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be Suicide Squad or Batman versus Superman?
1: Okay. Okay, Only see one. So I do have a philosophical thought on this. Excellent. Um, I will say Batman versus Superman. Even though I'm more intrigued by Suicide Squad, I think overall... The, the big tent pole version of Batman versus Superman. I feel like if I had to pick between the two, I would go with that one. Although I will probably come out hating it. I,
2: to quote a recent movie, Inside Out, mm-hmm. Louis Black's character says, Congratulations, California, you've ruined pizza. <laughs> I think he maybe says <laughs> yes. San Diego. Or whatever. Right, San Diego, yeah. So, Congratulations, Zack Snyder, you've ruined Batman for Chris Fry. I really am dreading this movie. Oh, that man is my favorite superhero. Mm-hmm. And I just think this movie looks like garbage. So between yeah. the two, I go with suicide squad.
1: I'm worried about suicide squad. Okay. Oh, I'm
2: not saying I'm not
1: worried. No, I'm but saying, it's David,
2: it's David Ayer, yeah. whoever
1: who did fury. Did you ever see that? With that I have bit? not yet, but okay. I've heard good things about it. Okay. I, uh, I know suicide squad is going to be dark and it's going to be gritty. And it's got all the villains in it, and I know Joker's in it, and he's got – I don't know if it's a cameo or if he's going to be in a lot of it. I don't know what his role is. I, I, I'm sure it will be interesting. Batman versus Superman I know is probably going to be a train wreck. Oh, there again, man. we'll link that back to your review. <laughs> um, I'm more curious how bad of a train wreck it could be. It's probably more of my fascination with it.
2: I think, I, it could, I think it could be the comic book movie that turns people off of comic book Well, movies.
1: you know, Man of Steel just about did that for me. Right. You know, we already talked I about that. that. And, and this is no coincidence. It's the same director. Yep. And I watched that trailer and where the, at least the Man of Steel trailer had me really like kind of ready to see the movie. And it was like kind of inspiring a little bit with the music and the shots. This one, Batman versus Superman, just looks dark, depressing overwrought drama it's just i'm all i know is i i don't need to see ben Affleck scowl anymore i'm perfectly <laughs> fine with my number quota of ben Affleck scowling shots even from just that trailer i think he had three or four of them in just that movie trailer yeah okay so we're a little split on that deathmatch. death match what uh what's another pairing okay we
2: next we have a marvel death match okay. and you can only see one is it going to be x-men apocalypse or is it going to be captain america civil war
1: Um, It's going to be Captain America Civil War because, honestly, the X-Men movie, I liked Days of Future Past, but I really had a big headache afterwards because it was very confusing. (laughs) Both of them are putting in way too many characters in their movies. Both both the X-Men and the, the Avengers or Captain America one. So they're both going to give me overall kind of a numbing feel of just probably too big for their own benefit. But X-Men Days of Future Past, the more, I've seen it twice now, and it's just, I got myself so confused watching it. Hmm. I want to see Captain America Civil War because I think they're supposed to be giving a cameo premiere of the new Spider-Man uh. in there. And I'm a big Spider-Man guy. So I'm going to go Captain America. I'm assuming you're going X-Men Apocalypse. I did
2: not plan this out, but yes, yeah. I'm going to be contrarian once again. Yeah, that's fine. X-Men Apocalypse, I could care less about, I, I've, okay.
1: You're done with Marvel.
2: I'm not done with Marvel necessarily, but I am done because I have to choose one of the two. I'm done with the Avengers. Mm. I am done with the Avengers. I know this Captain America movie,
1: which maybe gives a little but bit. It's but it's pretty much going to be an Avengers but
2: movie. I, I'm I'm done with it. I am yeah. so done with right. it. Um,
1: two X- movies was enough. Two <laughs> movies and all the spinoffs were. You're good. Sure. X Men Apocalypse.
2: I would choose that specifically because of
1: Oscar Isaac, who's playing Apocalypse. Yeah, I will say that is a intriguing part of that movie. Um, you know, I will say it. He he's put together a good cast. This is, uh, um, should help me remember the name, David. Um, no, director. Let's, yeah, um, singer. Brian. Brian Singer. singer. Brian yeah. Singer. God, I've got to get some sleep a little bit. Um, <laughs> Brian Singer. Yeah, you know, he's he's gotten great cast. He's gotten some a great uh, entourage in general of just assembly of people. Right. I just I'm just fearful it's going to be very very complex. And again, I think Captain America will be too. I think both these movies are going to be bloated beyond belief. So okay. anyway, but you are the two. You're going with Captain uh, there again, America. You're causing me to only pay for one ticket, and right. that's the one I will go to.
2: Okay. Now, when I'm going to give you another pairing, and keep in mind, I'm not saying which one would you rather. You have to see one of these. Okay. You can't say you're not going to. See, you I have, have to, have see, to one. see one of these. Okay,
1: but only one.
2: <laughs> so this this is your fairy tale or like kid story turned into real life action movie. So yeah. Tarzan or jungle book, which one are you going to go? Tarzan. See? Tarzan.
1: Yeah. I'm a Tarzan guy. I, okay. I actually liked Disney's Tarzan movie years okay. ago. I thought a lot of people didn't like it. I thought it was really good. Uh, I enjoyed yeah, I liked it. it. Uh, I still remember, um, was it Greystoke? Was the movie the back, in the, yeah. back in the Legend of Greystoke back in the eighties? Remember? No, I think I think Tarzan's cool, and I'm excited to see any fresh take on that character. Jungle Book, I like the cartoon. I kind of feel like the cartoon's a good classic. I don't need to mess, mess with that, so I don't really have any desire to see it. And that's the Jungle version.
2: Book is the one that Jon Favreau is doing, and Tarzan is being directed by uh, David Yates, who's the guy who did some of the Harry Potter movies. Ooh, so that's interesting. That's
1: interesting too. So it could actually have a pretty good epic feel to it. Yeah,
2: I'm. I'm. You know, we're finally on the same page. Okay, good. I'm actually picking Tarzan as well. Yeah. Okay. Last but not least. Yes. Here we go. There again, you have to see one of these. Uh (laughs) It's not a choice. Or you have to see. Do you want to see or will you see Star Trek Beyond or Independence Day Resurgence? Uh, You have
1: to see one of them. Sure, that's fine. Star Trek Beyond. I have no problem with that. I really like the J.J. Abrams rebooted Star Wars, but he—he's not doing. I know he's this, not. But yeah. bear with me. Okay, I like the universe he set up. I like the characters. So yeah, so J.J. Abrams did the Star Trek, and then he did Star Trek uh, Into Darkness, and I really liked both of those. I, I was one of the people who did like Into Darkness. I thought it was actually pretty good. Um, I liked Benedict Cumberbatch in it. I thought it was just a, a fun universe. Right. So it's Justin Lin doing the new one, I believe, even though maybe JJ Abrams is possibly executive producing or something. Right. Justin Lin's uh, done fast and furious movies. I think he did a horror movie here or there. He's a good action director from what I can tell. So every chance you got the same cast, you know, which I think is the key. I think it was a really good cast. They put together for the new star Trek. So I'm definitely on board with that independence day. I was one of those guys that <laughs> I went to go see the first one in the big movie theater when it came out and I thought it was popcorn fun But the more I saw it, I really started to kind of hate it. And now I have absolutely zero desire to see a sequel.
2: I am on the same page with you. I really don't care about either one of them. But if somebody said you have to go see one, it would be the new the newer Star Trek movie. Independence Day, I disliked it when it came out in the theater and only have grown to more dislike it over time. Um, I but you know what? I'll say this. Maybe because they've waited this long, maybe they will actually do something with that movie that makes it good. It could be, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. It could be something like that that I'm like, oh, it's
1: trash, and I go see it, and it's no. I think what they ought to do is I think they ought to go complete Sharknado on this. I think they ought to go (laughs) over the top cheesy ridiculous like almost play like a big joke Hmm. about how over the top things are and how many buildings are getting blown up and all this (laughs) and how it takes how with a Mac laptop computer you can go and hack into the alien system and send a virus that crashes them like in the first movie I say you go completely that could be interesting (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) what I think if that happened if I heard somebody come back and say oh man that movie was just bug nuts insane I'll go see it (laughs) okay (laughs) if they try to play serious I'm not really interested you're out <laughs> but okay. I am I, I like the Star Trek new cast and I, I'm happy to see them in another movie uh, it's one of those I'm not going to rush out to see but if I hear some pretty decent things coming back I'll go check it out okay so, yeah. well that that's my that deathmatch so I won for because you. all four of my answers were the right ones so <laughs> sure <laughs> sure yeah that's a fun little game I like it when uh, on our podcast people throw games at me so it's, it's always fun I've got one other news item okay that's okay Uh, Chris, you're going to love this one. Oh, yeah? Well, I wanted to go polar opposite ends from my Space Jam 2 breaking news item. Okay. To something that on the complete opposite end of the scale looks to be an amazing movie Hmm. that I'm incredibly excited about. You're probably not, though. (laughs) Um, So a new trailer came out for the film, latest film that we're going to have Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio in. Okay. Do you happen to know which big name foreign director he's working for that you are going to roll your eyes when you hear his name?
2: Oh, it must be NR2.
1: There you go. Huh. NR2 is doing a film called The Revenant, uh, co-written and directed by nr Uh In an expedition of the uncharted American wilderness, legendary explorer Hugh Glass, played by Mr. DiCaprio, is brutally attacked by a bear and left for dead by members of his own hunting team. In a quest to survive, he endures un- unimaginable grief, as well as the betrayal of his confidant, played by Mr. Tom Hardy. Guided by sheer will and the love of his family, Glassman must navigate a vicious winter in a relentless pursuit to live and find redemption.
2: Oh, boy.
1: I know. Um, I can already tell you. As soon as I read that description, I'm like, oh, Chris is going to just... That's exactly not the description he needs to hear about an R2 film.
2: I mean, if you had read me that without knowing who the director was, I would probably be like, oh, well, you know, sounds interesting. You know, I do like DiCaprio. I do like Tom Hardy. Um, But knowing it's an R2 and, like, the description of, like, the suffering and everything, I can just – I kind of know the train ride that I'm – or the roller coaster ride that I'm going to be in for. Well, But I will say this. Not trying to make a commentary on Hollywood might work better for me. Like he's just telling an out-and-out out story. Did yeah. you? I'm sorry. Did you say it was based on a a book or no? It's just uh, no.
1: A- I don't know if it is or not.
2: Um, okay, so it's original. You said the screenplay was done by him. So yes. R2, so, uh, we'll
1: tell you. Um, it also stars Domhnall Gleeson, who I believe Ooh. is now in every movie.
2: Made. Him and Bobby Cannavale. I mean, yes. I'm just like it.
1: They are. You're making a movie. You automatically just go ahead and slot them in for a couple supporting
2: Gleason's roles. Gleason's in uh, the star, new Star Wars. There's Star
1: Wars. He's doing, oh my gosh, there was like two other trailers I pulled up the other day that he's in both of them. Huh. I can't remember offhand. I really like um, him now. <laughs> uh, Emmanuel Le- Le- Lebeski is a DP. Okay. Um, you need to see the trailer. Okay. The trailer is visually... Amazing. So Hardy is one of the people that's
2: in his hunting party that says, Oh, sucks to be you, dude. Yeah, Basically
1: (laughs) I believe is his best friend and kind of screws him over and leaves him for dead after a bear attack. Uh, like I said, the trailer visually fascinating. So Mm -hmm. you need to see the trailer. The trailer does not give away anything. Okay. It does not summarize the plot. It is really like one or two key chaotic scenes shot in the camera works amazing so hmm. whoa check that out uh do you think i'm excited it comes out in december oh and i'm looking here inspired by true events yes oh, okay. it is inspired by true events so huh. so he's not making up the pain and suffering
2: right it was people big actually big had it because you know that <laughs> uh, people did say that's kind of a thing for him where he did babble which yeah. i actually liked but it was kind of it was know, heavy grueling at yeah, some point it was very points. grueling to watch he did um that movie with uh What's his face? The guy that was in No Country for Old Men. Can't remember his name. Oh, you're head. talking
1: about 21 Grams?
2: Oh, he did 21 Grams, and then he did Beautiful or whatever, which oh, I never right. saw.
1: Yeah, I never saw Beautiful um, either.
2: But I saw 21 Grams, and I like that okay.
1: Um, I, I really like 21 Grams. I thought okay. that was good. Um, hmm. And, of course, I love Birdman. So sure. you know, this will be his follow-up to Birdman. I, After seeing the trailer, not only am I to the point now where I, I can officially stop kind of giving a little bit of a sigh when I hear Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be in a movie because for a while it was kind of like oh when he was like Mr. Titanic it was like oh Oh, I don't want to hear about him anymore (laughs) and then he just kept doing good film after good film after good film as of right now he's to the point now where he he is serious actor in my brain finally it's taken a lot of years but he's there yeah I do not see him as anything but yep he's a very very good solid talented actor Okay. Congratulations, Leonardo. You made the upper echelon of my actor guild. He's probably so.
2: celebrating right
1: now. Yes, he I'm sure. Yeah. So that's a little bit of news. Thank you for the game, Chris. Sure, we sure. have The Revenant and Space Jam 2. I think that would be an awesome double feature.
2: Okay. Between those two, I will definitely, if I had to choose, if you had to I choose would be the, re- the
1: Revenant. I will get you to go see an Anna <laughs> film if it's that or Space Jam 2. Okay, Correct. Got it. Perfect. Chris, let's wrap up the show with our picks. Okay. Uh, this is where Chris and I have either seen something recently or maybe we just came back across our, our short-term memory of a film that is online that we like to recommend we think you ought to check out. So, Chris, what have you got to share with us today?
2: I'm going to recommend a comedy slash romance that came out in 2014. It's mm-hmm. called Laggies. It mm. stars uh, Kira Knightley, Chloe Grace Moretz, and most importantly, Sam Rockwell. Uh, it's directed by Lynn Shelton, which I don't know if, if we've really talked about her. She's kind of an independent mm-hmm. director. And basically, the story is uh, Kira Knightley plays someone who is basically just kind of running away from her life and decides to hide out with a – she kind of finds herself befriending a 16-year-old. And that's the one played by Chloe Grace Moretz. And she basically just decides to, like, hide out with this girl in her house. And her dad's like, who are you? Her mm-hmm. dad – played by uh, Sam Rockwell. Mm. So it's kind of an interesting, odd situation where she's just kind of like a slacker and then just like befriends a 60-year-old and then hides out in her house like, I'm just going to avoid life for a while.
1: Right.
2: Huh. <laughs> um, so it's it's an interesting an interesting little film. It's cute. Um, so, Laggies.
1: Laggies. Mm-hmm. Okay, very cool. I'm still on my music documentary kick. I think uh, last time we got together, I talked about the Bob Weir documentary. You did, yeah. Um, so thank you to my wife for kind of like, queuing up a Netflix documentary just about every night now. <laughs> After she watches Inside Amy Schumer, she queues up a music documentary. I see. So we saw one that is actually a Netflix documentary. So it's one that Netflix promoted, just like the Bob Weir one. Okay. And it's called What Happened Miss Simone? Which, Ooh.
2: if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if it premiered at Sundance, and then like Netflix bought, bought it, it, like right out of yes. Sundance.
1: So it was like... Well, this is a documentary about the life uh, and, and the whole career of Nina Simone. She's an American singer, a pianist, and ultimately a civil rights activist. Okay. And A, I was fascinated by this documentary because I knew nothing about her. Gotcha. Never heard of her. Couldn't tell her. Couldn't pick her out of a crowd. And she the footage they have of her performing is chilling. I mean, mm. it is to the point where I wasn't really paying attention the first 10 or 15 minutes while the documentary <gasps> and was like, on. Yeah, and I was yeah, like yeah, yeah. doing some other stuff while I was playing. The minute I started hearing some of the music, I honestly had to just sit there and be fixated. I'm like, well, what is this? Wow. Cause it was, the music is fascinating to hear, especially some of the early recordings she had. But the interesting thing they do with this documentary is, I mean, take a character that the whole purpose is to say, Hey, listen, nobody nowadays really knows who she is. Right. But yet look at what she did and what kind of music she produced then the role she played in civil rights activism in the 60s, 70s. All along, you learn about some of the mental issues she was also facing, which it's things that you started seeing her performing and interviewing. You're like, what? what is going on in her head? I can't quite figure it out. And you start to realize over time some of the inner demons she was wrestling with, too. The documentary was really, really good.
2: Well, now, see, I'm, I'm glad you recommended it. Um, Just like with uh, the Bob Weir documentary that you recommended last time, I saw this pop up on Netflix. I put it in my queue, but because I didn't really know anything. Unlike the Grateful Dead one, I knew I was going to get around to that one. But the only reason I'd heard that this was, you know, they picked up from Sundance. So I I put it on my queue, but I haven't really been dying to see it. But now that I've heard you talk about it, I'm going to have to watch it.
1: I actually think it was a better made documentary than the Bob Weir one. The Bob Weir one was interesting just because it was a – a band I've never really totally gotten into, and it's uh, and it was a, a, a second fiddle person technically on the band. Sure, sure. So it's like I really had no desire for me to watch. This one, you know, my wife's into a lot of old jazz and some of the more classic performers like that. So there's a little bit more of a connection. Mm-hmm. It's probably not one I would have popped up and played on my own accord, but having somebody else in the house kind of started up and me get sucked in. Worked out pretty well. It is okay. a really good documentary though. All very, right. very good documentary. Let's check it out. Yeah. So that's what happened. Miss Simone. Um, so that's two really good films to check out. Laggy's what happened. Miss Simone. Uh, both are available online. You can find and rent or stream or whatever your, your capabilities are at the moment. Uh, we try to do this every episode. Just, we leave you with something that even if you can't go out and see the films, we talk about in the first half of the episode because they're still playing in movie theaters or maybe they're not available in your area. At least the the recommendations at the end are ones you can look up and pull up online and, f- and watch along with us. So with that, Chris, we're going to wrap up the show. But, you know, we love to hear from people. We love to have people get connected. Uh, Chris, do you happen to know some ways that those people might be able to connect with us Absolutely. after the show?
2: If you want to drop us a line, you can e- send us an email at info at the mesh dot TV. And just, you know, if you have some suggestions or you want to hear us talk about something or just general feedback, that's one way to do it. Um, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Foot Candle Films. And if you have subscribed on iTunes, congratulations. You could also maybe give us a star rating or two, write a review. That's always nice. Helps us get more listeners uh alan and i are also both on letterboxed.com, which is where you can rate movies and uh you can kind of keep track of what we're kind of watching and looking at there sometimes we
1: write little brief reviews that's uh.com without the last e correct so letterboxd.com that trips up people a lot of times yes so, this yeah. is true
2: mm-hmm. um also on the mesh.tv there are bunches of other shows you can check out if you want some more podcasts to listen to because i understand we don't you know put out a podcast every week so if you need something to fill that kind of off week or two you know there's plenty of other shows on the mesh.tv
1: that you can check out chris i have 14 hours of driving Mm. to do over the next um 48 hours So, what I decided to do is, I'm going to go download every episode of Foot Candle Films from the very beginning. Oh, no. (laughs) And I'm going to listen to it at like quadruple speed. And I think I can get them all in in that 14 hours or so.
2: Hopefully you'll notice how much we've improved.
1: I'm looking at it as kind of a (laughs) diagnostic to see how we're doing so far and how we've trended over time. Fair enough. So uh, I'll come back with a little report on how we're doing.
2: Statistically, (laughs) how many times do we say train wreck? How many times do we... Yeah, right.
1: Okay. Actually, I don't know. To listen to our beautiful radio voices for a (laughs) 14-hour period of time, I'm not sure. I might recommend one or two hours tops for those of you at home. Take it in small spurts. You know, don't overdo it. So... <laughs> all right well that's going to wrap it up for today again check us out online and visit the website rate us on itunes all the good stuff mr chris told you about so until we get together next time uh this has been for candle films take care see you in the ticket line Watch of
0: Film special thanks to carpal taller for the show theme music For more about Carpal Taller, visit www.carpeltaller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv discover other network shows, and give us feedback on what you just heard.